Hello and welcome. Thank you for downloading this week's Sermon and Prayers of Intercession from the English Reformed Church Amsterdam. We hope you will enjoy what you are about to hear and that you will be blessed. There's um, an old joke about a church down in the south of the United States that offers me the opportunity to show you that I can't do a southern United States accent, so I'm going to tell you this story. Um, one Sunday, when the town's most notorious sinner walked into the building, the pastor called out to him, Brother, are you ready to find the Lord? Guess so, the man said. So he brought him forward and into the great big pool of water, the deep baptistry they had at the front of the, front of the church. The pastor dunked the man under the water. He came up and the pastor asked, Brother, have you found the Lord? No, still not yet, the man said. So, a third time, they do it differently in the United States, I gather. Third time, they dunked him under, he dunked him under the water. Brother, have you found the Lord? He asked him and he came up. The man said, no, still not yet, but you sure this is where he fell in? I, uh, when it comes to baptism, one of the problems is, what do we mean? What does it mean to us? With Martin Luther, we can say that it's about victory over death. We can say it's about overcoming the devil. It's about forgiveness of sin, as one of the children said. It's about being washed clean of that, that, that sin. It's receiving God's grace. It's welcoming the Holy Spirit. It seems to be almost everything. We can say, and certainly I say, that it's about the covenant that God has made with His people. And Lance is very, very strong on this issue of the, the covenant that God has made with us. When an infant is baptized, she or he is welcomed into that covenant community in a, a way that is parallel to the, the circumcision of children uh, under, under, after Abraham. We probably don't all agree about baptism. I was told long ago that if you got 10 Church of Scotland ministers in a room, you'd find at least 11 different beliefs about baptism. And I, I think that's true. And I'd find it very interesting today to take a poll how many of you, put your hands up if you don't mind, put your hands up, how many of you are baptized? Okay, easier, put your hands up if you're not baptized. That would be easy, almost, almost, almost all of you. If you're not baptized, not baptized. Okay, how many of you, thank you, how many of you were baptized, if you were baptized, how many of you were baptized, how many of you were baptized as children? As children, okay. How many of you were baptized as adults then? Okay, and me too. 
Yeah, okay, good. That's interesting. Four and a half centuries ago, there were very, very sharp opinions about baptism. In uh, 1646, Anglican Daniel uh, Featley observed of the dippers, and the dippers were the name that were given to the, the Baptists, or the Anabaptists, as sometimes they were called. And he was rather critical. They preach, he wrote, and print and practice their heretical impieties openly. They flock in great multitudes to their Jordans, and both sexes enter into the river and are dipped after their manner with a kind of spell containing their erroneous tenets. They, they defile our rivers with their impure washings, and the presses sweat and groan under the load of their blasphemies. Gosh, people don't write like that anymore, do they? <laughs> you know, we recognize, praise God, that people have different ideas and opinions about baptism, about a number of different issues. And that, for me, is good. That is good. The Bible is strong enough to tolerate that, and we are called on to be strong enough and loving enough to tolerate that. For some people, it's a matter of such vital importance in their faith that they would rather separate themselves from those who believe differently. I'm not like that, but recognize that that happens too. But what I want to focus on is what we have in common and what that has to say to us, what baptism has to say to us today here in 21st century uh, Amsterdam. Because I put it that way because the real question may be, for many people, does baptism mean anything at all? Back in the 1950s and 60s in Scotland, the vast majority of people, uh, children born, were baptized. Protestant churches or Catholic churches, the vast majority. That is very definitely no longer the case. And of course, as you know here in, in the Netherlands, that is certainly not the case. For lots of people today, baptism is not powerful, it's not relevant, it's not significant. Quite sweet, perhaps, in a, a moving way, but deep down it seems to many uh, uh, anachronistic, maybe is the word, a ritual of the bygone era, a ceremony attached sometimes to worship. So I want to focus on the thought that it is very relevant today and try and explain why that is. How we make it appear to be and present it as relevant is another story, but we'll come back to that. In a world that is fractured, that is dislocated, that is, I guess, above all, fearful of the future. And how many of us in these past couple of weeks have not been fearful that in Iran would blow up the next world war? Praise God, that hasn't happened. Baptism speaks about safety, about belonging, about continuity of the past, about being part of something vitally important, a community of faith. First of all, baptism speaks about the physical being holy. It was more than understandable that John the Baptist was shocked 
at Jesus' arrival because he felt inadequate, because he felt uh, inferior, I guess, but also because Jesus didn't need to repent. The entire narrative of the, uh, the incarnation tells the same story. He went through what we went through. Like us, he was a physical being, and that was good. But there have always been people who have doubted this, who've believed that things like bodies and food and objects and possessions are somehow corrupt and impure. And if you want to receive, if you want to achieve spiritual purity, you need to distance yourself. You need to detach yourself from those impure worldly material things. So ascetic people go and, and live in, ero- in remote monasteries and live frugally, and they're often revered. There are still, as we speak, 2,000 people, monks on Mount Athos, for instance, living there without a female company. Baptism, though, is an affirmation of the goodness of the physical. Here we see Jesus identifying with us in our physicality, in our needfulness, and affirming there need to be no conflict between the physical and the spiritual. And Jesus ate, and he drank, and he was often criticized for that, as if he was a party-goer. But he did physical things and blessed those things. I was impressed when I was in Sri Lanka last year. Some of you know that I've been doing a few locums here and there. I was in Sri Lanka for a couple of months last year, and I was impressed by the reverence that many Buddhists had for the land, for the land. There's something holy about it, and even animals. You know, seeing people swat an insect in the train, I remember seeing that and thinking, no, you can't do that. You just don't do that. You, you take the insect in your hand and you, you let the insect go outside. There's a reverence for all living things. Scripture tells us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when God saw His creation, He saw that it was good. And in Sri Lanka, that seems to be lived out by so many people. We need, I think, to get away from this dualistic idea that there's somehow something dirty about the physical, about working and living and enjoying life. The centuries-long hysteria in the church about sex and sexuality has done us no favors and done the majority of people no favors either. And that stems from the same thing, as if sex itself weren't wonderful and good and given by God. God blesses the physical, and this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the accounts in the Gospels of the life of Jesus, his amazing birth, his life of service through his teaching and healing, his baptism, his death, and his resurrection. We thank you for his clear sense of purpose in coming to seek and to save the lost. Thank you that he came to seek and to save each one of us and to bring us new life and purpose as we live in this world. 
We come to pray this morning for this world in all its beauty, but also in its suffering and tragedy. Today we bring before you the families and the loved ones of all who died this week in the Ukrainian Airlines crash in Iran. In their grief, may they know somehow your presence and your arms of comfort. Bless those who minister to the bereaved families, give them wisdom, and where there are no words, may they be your presence to those who are in distress. We pray too for restraint in relations between Iran and the USA, so that differences may be addressed honestly and openly without war. Lord, in your mercy. We bring before you, O Lord, all who are suffering in the Australian bushfires. We pray for those who have left their homes and are distressed and anxious about the future. We pray for those who put their own lives in danger to save others, for firefighters, police officers and volunteers. Give to them physical energy and emotional strength to continue their vital work. And we do pray for rain that will bring much-needed relief to the land and to those who live on it. Lord, in your mercy. Father God, we think today of those who have answered your call to be church leaders, mission workers, seminary teachers, ministers and pastors across the world. We pray this morning for those who also undertake study to enrich their service. We thank you for the possibilities through the internet to provide online courses and resources that support your servants wherever they work. Bless, we pray, all who work to equip others to serve you so that your mission might continue and your kingdom be advanced to the ends of the earth. Lord, in your mercy. As we enter a new week, with its joys, responsibilities and challenges, we pray that we might know the sense of calling and purpose that Jesus demonstrated in his life here on earth. Help us, O God, to heed his call and to follow his example, that we might see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly every day. We bring all these our prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen.